Radio Influence. The future is now. Hey, gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry Petuck. Awesome, awesome show coming at you today. Really stoked. We've got a guy that's done just about everything there is to do. You guys might know him from Puddle of Mud. You might know him from Operator. You might know him from Rev Theory. He's one hell of a guitarist, one hell of a songwriter. Did Even did a little time in radio. We were talking about that, you know, the, the whole prison known as radio before we even started recording. He did some time up there in Jacksonville and, and Brunswick, Georgia, where he's from. He's also the creator of the apparel line Demons Behind Me, and we'll get into that in a little bit because I'm fascinated by that. His name is Paul Phillips. Paul, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I appreciate the introduction. Uh, yeah, I guess I have. Uh, uh, I guess I've, I've tried my hands in a lot of. I'm the jack of all trades and the master of none, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> Aren't we all? Now, now I hear you. You know the. Uh, you have the displeasure of knowing my co-host Brandon for quite a long time. <laughs> that's all it's a, yeah a displeasure uh yeah yeah you know uh we kind of we kind of talked before this interview and it's like kind of like seven what is it seven degrees of kevin bacon or something it's like seven degrees of jacksonville like oh yeah no matter, no, matter, no, no matter who you talk to there's always like some some sort of tie to jacksonville it's always like always oh, jacksonville or or i knew a guy that worked in jacksonville or my sister's cousin Grew up in Orange Park. It's, it's, it's crazy. There's always some some connection to Jacksonville. It's weird. Yeah, except, yeah. except for airlines. There's no connections for airlines yeah, yeah. in Jacksonville. If you spend, no, yeah. no, it's no like if you it's always got to go to Dallas or or Dallas or Atlanta or something. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's like if you spend any kind any kind of time in Jacksonville whatsoever, even if you didn't live there, you get like like stamped or you get some kind of card of like, yeah, I'm a freak. I experienced it. You know, and then you automatically like relate to those people or, or, or partied with them at some point. It's it's that type of place. Crazy. Freakville, man. Freakville. 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 <laughs> I'd say it's, it's the biggest little city in the country. It, it's yeah, the biggest it, hot it is. In the country. Yeah. You know, tri- tri- trivia for you. Yeah. You know, not population wise, but actual area wise, you know, it's the biggest city in the country. I mean, I can I can get to Georgia faster than I can get to the other side of town. I live at the beach. So yeah, I can go north to Georgia before I can get all the way west in Jacksonville. I was going to say, I, I grew up and I, I live here in the Tampa Bay area where, where Brandon is. And my wife and I drove up to Savannah, Georgia last summer. And I'm in St. Pete, bro. Don't you don't 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 put uh, Tampa I, on I'm me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Great Divide <laughs> is the Howard Franklin. I'm sorry. Anyway, I, I don't cross the ditch, man. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we drove up to uh, Savannah and drove through Jacksonville. And I never realized just land-wise how big Jacksonville was. Oh yeah, well I mean if you just drove up 95, I mean you didn't see you didn't see hardly any of it. I mean you go you yeah. go east or west for you know, you go east for a good 30 minutes, you go west for another like 45, you know, just span the whole the whole width of it, you know, not to mention the the north and south of it. But yeah, I mean it, it's huge, man. It's huge, but you know, like you said it's it's kind of a small thing too. A lot of people know each other, especially in the uh, music community, um, so to speak, like like me and Brandon. And, you know, we, we know a lot of the same people. A lot of people uh, have made it out of here. And a lot of people, you know, it's kind of we've we've played in bands together and bands have broken up and started new bands. And yeah. so <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's cool, man. It's like, Lots of it. Since like 
bring it all the way back to like Skinner and Blackwood and stuff. The talent. Hell yeah. Here. A lot. A lot of people don't realize that. There's been a lot of yeah. people from here. A ton. Like uh, even like '69 boys, I think. Right. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure. But, but I just realized this. You know, like Paul. So people that live in Jacksonville Beach identify Jacks Beach, right? Like they won't, then we'll go across the ditch to go like into Jacksonville and they rep Jack's beach. That's kind of how I feel about Tampa and St. Pete here. Like and there's, but there's bridges in both there's water and all that kind of stuff. There's attitude. And then there's two different types and styles of people on both sides. And it's funny. I just realized that, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. 100% man. Yeah. I don't know about there how, how the attitude is there. I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I similar. Me, like, crossing the ditch, even, like, to, like, the next street over, which <laughs> for me is, for, for me is, which is San Pablo, you know, which I can get there, you know, in, like, literally five, ten minutes from where I live. But, I mean, that's still crossing the ditch. So, I'm like, uh, no, I'll drive, yeah. all the way through the, I'll drive all the way to the other end of the beach. That'll take me, like, 15, 20 minutes before I'll go five minutes over the ditch. Screw that. Hilarious, <laughs> man. Hilarious. So Yeah, funny. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's so, just a weird mindset. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It's the people, too, yeah. man. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. So, but, for, yeah. for, for those of you out there that aren't familiar with Paul, Paul, you've been in music how long? I mean, like, your entire life, right? How'd you get into it? Well, I mean, yeah, a large part of it. Um, professionally, uh, yeah, pretty much my adult life. Look, I mean, I was very fortunate in that. But even before that, I mean, um, you know, I guess we could, you know, the long and short of it, you know, music was always, my, my father was a guitar player, and he played, um, he actually played bass, though, in a band, worked his way through college doing that, you know, playing like the old, uh, Zoc cops or, you know, whatever the speakeasies the back back in the good old days, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it. So he worked his way through college doing that. So always always around music. He always had music on, and um, you know, then when Brunswick got MTV, you know, when MTV happened, um, I just I fell in love with the the hair metal bands. I mean, really, that's the only thing that was on MTV and the rock in the, like, the hard rock at the time, you know, so Motley Crue, oh, my God. that was Poison. Crazy. Oh, God. Oh, but but Motley Crue in particular, you know, like, Shout Out the Devil, I got that record, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever, like that intro, you know, <laughs> and Shout at the Devil, I was just like, oh, my God, this is awesome and satanic, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you know, then from there, as I moved to, uh, well, actually, I, I got a guitar um, when I was 11. It's funny, I asked my dad, and my mom, who at the time, they were they were divorced. They got divorced along, like, when I was, like, one. Uh, but anyway, they didn't really have a good relationship, so they didn't talk. And I asked both of them for a guitar, and lo and behold, on Christmas, I got two guitars. So uh, neither one of them was too happy about that, needless to say. But um, so my mom put me in lessons, you know, and like I said, I was into, like, you know, uh, Motley Crue and uh, Black Sabbath, uh, you know, even Poison, uh, Bon Jovi, stuff like that. And I, I, you know, I wanted to play all that, but my, my teacher at the time, he was like, oh, no, you got to learn all this other stuff first, which was, you know, basically theory. And it was super slow, like starting on one string, like Mary had a little lamb and all this stuff. And I was like, man, can't you just teach me like Iron Man or, or Paranoid? <laughs> Let's you know, get to I'm it. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, I, I just want to rock, man. He's like, no, you got to learn this first. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm never going to pay Mary had a little lamb in my life. I assure you. <laughs> and I haven't. I haven't since that day, probably. 
So anyway, I got over, you know, and I told my mom, I was like, okay, I'm done with that. So put the guitar down, didn't pick it back up. Moved to Jacksonville, um, kind of integrated into the surfing community because I live at the beach. And you, you didn't have a choice. You either played sports, which I suck at totally. Um, I was And I was skinny as a rail, so I just got my ass handed to me if I try to play sports. Um, but uh, so I, I, my only other choice was, was surfing and skating. So I went that route and uh, met a few friends who were uh, into kind of like the heavier style of metal, you know, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, um, a little later Pantera, um, which is still one of my favorite bands today. And, um, you know, they taught they taught me the almighty power chord. And I was like, oh, my God, I can play that one chord anywhere on the on the neck. And it just sounds ungodly heavy. I'm like, this is fantastic. Two fingers, two strings. Wow. So. (laughs) <laughs> and then they showed me tablature books, which, you know, if you're not familiar, you know, um, especially if you're younger, you're like, tablature, what is that? I, I just go on YouTube, man. It's right there. How to play it. Um, so, uh, but back in the day, this was a really, like, new invention. You didn't have to read music. It had these diagrams of where to put your fingers on the string. So you didn't have to read music. It would show you where to put your fingers. And that was, like, cutting edge at the time. So I would go to the music store, you know, and buy all these uh, tablature books. And then guitar magazines obviously had tablature in it for songs. And um, I literally just sat in my bedroom for probably like a year or so. And uh, at the time, one of my favorite records was uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica, still one of my favorite records. Um, And I just, I learned that front to back. And, you know, the thing was, is I, I didn't care about, solos like i didn't want i didn't want to be kirk hammett i wanted to be james hetfield so i just wanted to be loud and just crush so i got this huge marshall stack and uh just started playing power chords and instantly started writing songs and this is when i was like 15 i just instantly started writing my own songs and i, I had my first band at 17 uh and yeah i, I was i was a dictator I, I wrote everything all the lyrics all the music was like hey sing this play this and from there, I was in a band. I was in and out of bands all the way up until I think it was 23 or 24 is when uh, I made the move to Puddle. And then, yeah, man, it was just a roller coaster from there. And then that was that was a good 12, 13 years of my life, um, my adult life. So, yeah, I've never really had I had a full time job for a very short period of time. And. Other than that, I, I was in LA and the real, the game was on. I was very fortunate. Oh, La La Land. Yeah, <laughs> man, La La Land. Yeah, exactly, man. I hate, <laughs> hate the place, but whatever. I had to be there a lot, and it, it yep, served yep. the purpose. So, is what it is. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> La La Land. That just threw me for a loop because I was talking about that on uh, last last show, I think, maybe yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and how how fucked up that place is. Oh, um, yeah. But hell yeah, man. Um, uh puddle let's talk puddle for a while puddle mud yeah, um um you know because uh you know i've taught before and and i've 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 explained myself to extent like uh, many 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 times what the robe is like for me uh and touring you know and uh all, all the mixed emotions all the harassment all the all the shit that led led to my i don't want to say demise but you know the and, <laughs> crippled me with anxiety and shit like that because of all the mental abuse and stuff that I suffered during those, during those years. But, uh, um, I'm sure everybody's sick and tired of hearing my fucking story. So let's hear yours, man. What was the road like for you? Yeah. That just that little tidbit you gave me rubbed me the wrong way. dude. I'm 
pretty much over this interview right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, kidding. that's been Paul Phillips. It's been great having him on. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys, good luck on your podcast. I say, where, yeah, we where, had a good one today. Where can everybody <laughs> find you on social media? Now? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, if I get off, I have to go back to yard work. So you guys take as much time. As you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good right here on my couch. It's all good. Um, but uh, yeah, man. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I tell I tell kids now or, or people who are like, you know, what advice would you give me or what can I do and all this sort of thing. And my advice is uh, be careful what you wish for because you might just get it, <laughs> you know. And uh, that's kind of what happened to me. You know, like I said, I I wanted all of that stuff i wanted to be my heroes you know that were on mtv and all that sort of i mean i mean i was mtv generation man that was that that changed my life and uh you know i wanted to be all those things and then you know i got it and for me it with puddle you know it, it happened so fast and i think uh you know i think i we and me, uh, we owe a lot of that to Fred Durst and how big he was at the moment. You know, I mean, right. pretty much anything he said went. You know, if he said, "Hey, play, bang this song and the overplay this song on the radio, overplay this on MTV and buy this record," people were like, "Okay, sir, yes, sir, sounds good." He had that. He had. He that had that. Power. He had that power, man. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, I hate to use the word uh, mafia, but it was pretty mafioso <laughs> at that yeah, time. Without with, a uh, doubt. With him and a few other and a few others in the industry that were associated with him, and um, yeah, man, it was like I went from like this skinny little surfer kid listening to like you know it, a lot of punk rock and you know like I said a lot of thrash metal and and stuff like that, uh, and I was just I was thrust into L.A. and then you know we just hit like right off the bat. And to be honest with you, I really didn't think our first record was that good. I mean, I remember saying, like, you know, talking to, to Danny Wimmer, who was also integral in, a, in our career, um, who used to own a bar here in Jacksonville called the Milk Bar. And he, mm -hmm. helped, he helped Le Biscuit get signed. And then, you yeah. know, when Fred started his record label, then he hired Danny to run his record label. So he was a big part of our band, too. And um, I remember him like calling like the first week and he's, you know, when the record came out, he's like, so what do you think you're going to sell this week? And I was like, ah, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15,000, you know, that'd be awesome. And he's like, dude, you sold 60,000 in one day. I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, are you serious? And then, you know, at the end of the week, it was, it was like the number one or like the biggest debut rock album of all time, we came in at like number eleven on the Billboard charts, and it was like a hundred and twelve thousand or something, give or take a few. Um, I don't really remember. Uh, and yeah, man. So I mean, we were just like instantly, instantly overnight. Like, yeah, it was it was crazy, man. You know, I don't want to say that we didn't pay our dues because we all paid our dues kind of individually, you know, in like local bands and stuff around town. But as a collective, it was really it was really quick, you know. And our, I mean, our first tour was with stained and cold and that's when like it's been a while and uh mm -hmm. outside we're just like popping you know and then our next tour was Godsmack and the deftones and arenas and uh it was just man it was just non-stop it was this big snowball you know and it, at that point you know when you're a success it's just it's just work 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 and um you know i i i 
was I, me personally, I, I wasn't ready for all that. I didn't know how to handle it because I'm a really kind of shy, introverted person. And, you know, I never really wanted to be famous. You know, I didn't, I didn't chase it. I, I mean, I hid from it. Like every opportunity we got to like have our faces somewhere, I was hiding from it. You know, like we had, we had TRL and all VH1 and all that stuff, you know, and it'd be like, Hey, you're going to be on TRL with the Backstreet Boys. And I'd be like, Oh my God, shoot me. Before I get there, can we, can we, couldn't, have, it was, couldn't it have been Britney or some shit at the time? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, 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 actually, I actually met her, man, back when she was super hot and had a conversation with her, but she wasn't having it. Same with Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne wasn't having it either. I tried to go oh there too. God. But uh, yeah, I tried to go a bunch of places that didn't really pan out for me. But um, <laughs> anyway, but but yeah, you know, it was it, I, I hated all that stuff. You know, I, I always say like the Kurt Cobain syndrome, you know, and I, I had it bad. It's like I wanted to be successful, but I didn't want to be famous, you know, whereas Wes was the complete opposite. He wanted to be famous. So, I mean, he was like, where can I be to get my picture taken? OK, I got to go to this club with the velvet rope. OK, I got to date this supermodel. You know, that's going to, you know, and he, he just ate it up, you know, and also obviously he became the face of the band, you know, and he he's had the band name since he was like in high school. So, you know, obviously he's allowed to do what he wants with it now, uh, regardless of, of who's involved with the project, you know, which is fine. You know, I, I I remember the day I signed off on that. No problem. Our business partnership agreement. They were like, they have a problem with Wes owning the name. He's had it since high school. I was like, no, nah, I don't care. That's fine with me. Um you know, so, I mean, obviously he became, like I said, the face of the band, which has kind of been a, a blessing and a curse for him because yeah. for better for better or worse, people still care. And, you know, so he still ends up on TMZ, which isn't necessarily a good thing. It, yeah, uh, yeah, it's all the wrong but, reasons. All yeah, the wrong you know reasons. what I'm saying? I'm like, that's not necessarily always a good thing. But, um, yeah, man, so I, I struggled with it. I was I was actually miserable. Um a lot of the the time that we were blowing up, you know, you brought up anxiety, you know, and I, I got, you know, my manager came to me and was like, man, what is wrong with you, man? You guys are like sitting on millions of records. You got this and you got that. You're living in this big house on the hills. And, you know, what? Is, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I was like, I'm just not happy. He's like, I want you to go see this guy. He's like, I sit Jonathan Davis there because at the time we had the same management as corn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I went and saw this, uh, I guess, psychiatrist, psychologist. I don't remember which one can prescribe meds. One of the two, I think, it's psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, but, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, so he was like, he diagnosed me with extreme social anxiety and um, depression, like borderline, borderline manic depressant, you know, like really high highs and really, really low lows. Um, you know, so he put me on meds and uh, that kind, that kind of worked. I mean, I wasn't as depressed, but the, uh, you know, the social anxiety and, and dealing with the fame and success and stuff like that would still bother me. You know, I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, why can't we be still be big, but nobody know who we are? You know what I mean? Like, why can't we be like the Foo, Foo Fighters, like outside of Dave Grohl, obviously, because everybody knows who he is. But right. why, can't we be like, why can't we be this big band that just kind of kind of slips under the radar? You don't know anything about them except their songs. You know, yeah. so yeah, so I, I dealt with that, you know, and um, it was like, like I said, we blew up so fast and I would come home off tour, you know, and like everywhere I would go, like places I used to just go, like my local grocery store, like on the lowest level of simplicity, 
you know, I would go in and, you know, I, I would be on the cover of every magazine on the rack and all these kids would be coming up for me to sign the magazine for them. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't even go buy milk or eggs, you know, yeah, yeah. people freaking out. It was weird, man. It was, it was crazy for a kid from Jacksonville. There's so there's so many though from Jacksonville that have had to deal with the same stuff though. I mean, so many so many greats I feel like have come out of there, and a lot of our close friends. I know you and I were talking the other day, and uh, you, you you called it incestual, and I said uh, I was like, that's the perfect term to describe it. But all this like tight knit group of people have all been in like seven bands together and all touched each other at one point and toured and all this, you know, with saliva, burn season, and then, you know, puddle. And then you got, um, you know, Wes and Damien were doing a project and all like, it's just, it's so crazy that Jacksonville has been, you know, uh, breeding these big artists, uh, for such a long time. It's crazy. Uh, and they go through that shit too. They go through that shit too. It sucks. Yeah. I can't, I get it. I always tell, I hate limelight. Um, and it took me a while to, uh, to kind of conquer that and get over it. And, you know, thank God for medication and the guy that, that talks to me about it every, every month. But, uh, um, man, no, you, I, I ran from cameras don't take a picture of me. If I saw a video camera, I was running, uh, someone wanted me to speak into a microphone. I'm like, fuck that. I don't like my voice. I hate it. Like, I mean, I was like done, 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 done. I couldn't. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I eventually got over that a little bit. Hence I'm doing a podcast now but um yeah man that shit really like it, it especially social anxiety like when when it hits you and you're out and you can't you can't get away from what's making you feel uncomfortable it's like the worst feeling it's almost like i describe you know my worst feelings ever was i was never comfortable in my own skin and i just wanted to jump out of it wanted out of my like body if you will and yeah, with, you know, it was social anxiety and stuff like that. Then on top of being famous, like you can't go out in public, man. Like I would imagine you turn into a hermit as much as possible and you're avoiding going out and avoiding people, avoiding situations. Like, you know, I'd have to slam like, you know, if I was going out with my wife in the beginning of our marriage or whatever, you know, if I, we want to go to a bar or I go hang out, meet her friends or family, whatever, and we were out drinking she noticed that I was like kind of tired or I'd, I'd, I'd step away, look a little weird. And, and I would just, you know, uh, I would like slam Jaeger bombs. Right. Oh, <laughs> and I would slam, I would slam like two or three. And she was like, just to get you in the mood and wake up and whatnot. They say, you know, you know, you're, you're about an hour, hour and a half into it. And those things show up and they're like, what's up? <laughs> then I'm fucking hammered. And then, you know, who, who knows? And that was it. It's like, the forever toxic cycle of every time I have to go out, I got to slam Jaeger bombs. That's not cool. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore because I end up fucking hammering and I just don't, I don't want to do that anymore. So that was kind of like my thing too. So I, I completely relate, and especially on tour, man. Like, you know, you're on a bus with 11 uh, other dudes. I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, you probably tour with multiple buses. I don't know if you guys split up the band, but you know, for me, uh, it was 11 other dudes, uh, 11 other, you know, you know, personalities and right, you know yeah. all that kind of shit and egos and and habits and whatnot. And, you know, every single night you got 30 people on the bus and, you know, some nights you don't feel like hanging out. And what are you going to do? That's your house. So it's yeah, there's so many fucking things that can totally just fuck with you. You know, even when you're off tour, like you said, you can't go buy milk. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that, you know, I, I 
had it as bad as some people. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't even have it as bad as Wes. Like I said, you know, he, he wanted that stuff. So he, he kind of seeked it out and didn't mind it, you know, but you know, even the level that I had it on was, was too much for me at, at the time. And, um, you know, you speak of like, you know, Jaeger bombs and stuff, you know, that's what, uh, you know, that's what brought the drinking on for me because, um, it was actually when I left puddle the first time and, and went to operator, that's when I really kind of amped my, my drinking up and, and kind of that allowed me to kind of get into a, a mindset of, okay, punch in your time clock. Okay. Put on your little silly rock star costume. Go up there and jump like a monkey. Look at all the people, you know, make your <laughs> rock star faces, get off stage, shake hands, sign autographs, you know, and then, I would be the life of the party at the after party, you know, that's when I started meeting like all my heroes, you know, and hanging out with Vinnie Paul. And like, I spent a week at his house and, you know, I was just obliterated the whole week. And, you know, I met Dime, you know, before he passed or, you know, and Vinnie too, before both of them passed. Um, but, you know, that's when I really started kind of loosening it up. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, I can play this game. You know, I don't mind, you know, as long as I, as long as I'm drunk, you know, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, the problem was, is, you know, they, it, it didn't stop kind of when I, I got off the road, you know, I would come home. And, and like you said, with the like social anxiety, you know, I, I can relate to you on that. I mean, maybe you waited to the bar, but see, I would have to do that to even leave the house. Yeah. I would, I would be like, you know, half halfway off my rocker before I even got to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so you give me like an hour at a bar and I'm like, okay, time to go home. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, give me give me a cab give me an uber uh i can't stand up you know yeah. and, you know trust me i've got kicked out of many a bar at the at the beaches i mean uh i guess luckily or, or not luckily depending on how you look at it uh the bartenders and you know security everybody knew me because of who i was i guess or, or maybe just because i went so much either way <laughs> either way dude. You know, they'd always be nice about it. They would, they would be like, uh, Paul, um, yeah, it's time. Probably, it's uh, probably time for you to leave. And I'd be like, oh, I'd be like a little kid. I'd be like, oh, really? Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I'm going to leave. I'll be, okay. I'm out. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's kind of like drugs. You know, you hear people that did like hard drugs and stuff. And, and, you know, let's, let's be honest, there's been a lot of, amazing music that was written on heavy drugs you know i mean that's that's yeah. pretty, that, that's that's pretty obvious you know and uh and the thing is is any kind of crutch like that it helps you for a while but it's just like it does i mean it does really you know and i'm, I'm not encouraging anyone to to start anything like that including drinking you know but it does but it's just like if you kind of if you have like a broken leg you know and it's and you're on crutches and then your leg heals, but you keep using those crutches and you keep walking, then your leg is never going to get stronger. And eventually you're just never going to be walking on your own because you're so used to walking on crutches, you know? So your right. muscles that allow your leg to walk are going to be completely gone, you know? So that's kind of the analogy. It's like it works in the beginning and then it turns you on you. I don't know how many books i've read like autobiographies or behind the musics or or whatever me too man you know where you where you hear people say basically that it's like things work in the beginning you know it was sex drugs and rock and roll then it was sex and drugs then it was just drugs yeah (laughs) you know so 
I was just about to say that. Yeah, it has a way of sneaking up on you. Yeah, everybody thinks like, you know, out there, it's just like you said, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But when when that when that when the highs turn to lows, and you're not doing that at the moment, that other shit sticks with you, and 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 stays with you. Like you know, I, I mean, I noticed it when I was living in LA, man. You know, you're partying every fucking night, and then you get home, and everything settles down, and you're kind of like shit. Like when you're on the road, I wanted to be home. When I was home, I wanted to be on the road. It was really oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't wait to get home, and then I get home, and I'd be like, "Okay, this stuff. I need to go back out on the road." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, I, I don't know. For me, I was just sitting there, and then for me, like even during this like COVID situation right now, like you know, we're all stuck at home, and I'm fucking bored, and and I'm I'm working as much as I can, but you know, I'm I'm thinking, man. I could drink some beers right now. Fuck <laughs> you know, like, but but it's like when you get bored, it's it's the same. It's that same feeling. You don't really have anything to do, and you get back home with you you, you being a musician. You know, you can uh, you you can write and you know make the next record and all that kind of good stuff. But um, for me, I was just kind of like sitting there, you know, and I'd fucking go to the rainbow and then come home, and oh, you know that the, was my the rainbow. Oh, the Lord, bow. I, love, I love the rainbow. It's fantastic. Have you had their uh, their mozzarella cubes? Uh, those I have not had. I, I was about to say I, I was about to say I've had it all, but you got me on that one. I have all right. <laughs> one day, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to someone or meet someone that uh, shares my obsession with those things. Boy, the food is great. I don't know, and so is the booze. But uh, uh, yeah, that's all I did, man. Was go there a couple times a week with my buddies and and who I was touring with, and then go home, and then it caused you know relationship issues because. The, the ex at the time, you know, she's waking up early in the morning and going and doing her thing, her job, and then coming home you're to just, me and you're just, you're just, just waking up. You know, and, and I can easily see now how frustrating that may have been, you know, uh, for someone else to experience. But then, you know, you, you get that boredom and you just want to go out every night to find a reason to drink right um and then it turns into not finding a reason to drink it's like okay what time should i start drinking right yeah yeah that's what happened to me man i was like well it's five o'clock somewhere might as well start drinking yeah <laughs> yeah and all the all the all the sayings start to you know just get worn out you know five o'clock somewhere doesn't really work anymore and so you have to come up with something else Back of my in the back of my mind, I did want to stop, but 
I just I just did it because at the same time I enjoyed it. So I just yeah. had enough time away from it to where like I went, okay, you really want to stop and you know, you haven't been doing it and you've been fine other other than being sick. Um so uh yeah, and so once, you know, I started feeling better, I just didn't start back up and then of course, well, I started feeling better and um kind of recovering about the time that this whole covid thing started so <laughs> i couldn't so i couldn't do anything anyway so i was like oh, shit now i got now i got nothing to do now i'm bored you know but um but yeah you know um my, everybody's been really supportive around me which right. has helped uh you know my uh my fiance she doesn't drink and you know I, i've made a conscious decision to not allow people to be around me as far as like my home you know like no yeah. somebody drunk or nobody bringing alcohol into the home obviously if i go out somewhere you know i can't control what other people do i mean i mean that's that's your life do what you want to do so right. um, but i mean it's it's been i i think it's been long enough now to where you know i really don't even think about it anymore i mean there's still been a few occasions you know where i'll be somewhere and i don't know anybody and i'll be like okay this is a little weird i don't mm -hmm. know i'm just kind of chilling over here doing nothing and uh you know that gets to be a little weird but you know hey man one of those things you gotta you gotta deal with you know and i think that being being clear-headed um long enough now i can a see the like moron and idiot that I was because I didn't see it for so long, you know, like I was normal, you know, like an ass of yourself and being an asshole. That's just normal. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I think you get a certain level of clarity where you look back and like, wow, really? I did that. Are you serious right now? Oh, my God. What an idiot. You know, and, and, yeah. and you get a little bit of clarity and you're like, OK, I don't want to go back to that. And I know if I if I start, that's where I'm going to end right back up at. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's been a long journey. I'm not gonna say it was like overnight, you know. I mean, I tried to, you know, I've been to, I've been to rehab three times, and I did AA and, you know, IOP and counseling and all that stuff. So I'm not saying it was just like a, hey, I'm done drinking, you know. It wasn't that. It re it really took me, um, uh, like I said, being kind of uh, bedridden for a while, so to speak, um, to really just kind of break the cycle, I guess, and. Uh, you know, and get some clarity under me, enough clarity to go, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. And, uh, yeah, that was it, man. So I've been, um, as of now, I've, I've been great, man. I feel great. Um, it's awesome. Gym, gym just opened back up. So I'm, I'm getting back in there. I feel healthy. And, um, you know, uh, anxiety is, is to be expected in this crazy world we're living in right now. But I mean, yeah. it seems, it, it's manageable, you know, I'm learning how to, manage it without without putting in ingesting anything to make me feel better about it yeah that's that's what i was going to say I, how how you were handling that that portion of it because you know uh the drinking and stuff like that you know and i can relate to it makes the it helps the the anxiety go away a little bit you know what i mean and and, and with you having the severe social anxiety uh do you do you still i mean well shit we haven't had a chance to really be social as of late but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like that, you know that, that part's just been recent where i've even had the opportunity to go anywhere and be uncomfortable if i wanted to <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean how how are uh well, oh shit. I, I mean, we 
kind of know how Wes is, uh, but uh, uh, has ha, did anybody uh, ever try to like reach out and help or, you know, like anything like that? Because, you know, like close friends uh, to me and, and whoever, if I see someone that's going down a path, you know, uh, I, I, I'm always like the one that's willing to help and kind of recognize what's going on. But did, did any of you guys ever experience any of that? Um, are you are you speaking about me or like people reaching out to me or you're speaking to Wes? I, what, what are you speaking to? What are you oh, speaking? no, I'm talking about you. I mean, I, I, oh. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I mean, I'm sure many people have tried to help Wes, but uh, he's clearly <laughs> got his own direction that he wants to go. So, yeah, man, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I, I don't either. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in probably seven years, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, wow. Yeah, it's been a while. But um, oh yeah, man, there were there were plenty of people. Me, man, but you know, I wasn't hearing it. You know, unless you're, or or I would hear, it, you know, and I'd be like, okay, you're right. I got a problem. I'll go to rehab. You know, but I would. I and I still enjoyed it. I mean, I knew I had a problem. You know, like I said, I wanted to stop, but shit. I, I like drinking. Shit, I still like drinking. I'm not going to lie to you. You know what I mean? I just, will, I just won't do it. I, you know, I just choose not to do it because I know I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to go out and have, and have a few drinks and be the life of the party. I'm going to go get obliterated, not remember right. shit. Not remember shit. Probably have to take an Uber home or, or, you know, open up my garage to see if my truck's in there. And usually it is. And I go, wow, that's interesting. Don't know how that got there. Yeah. That's not cool, you know. What no, I, mean? I know, <laughs> I know. Nothing cool about that. No, no, nothing, nothing necessarily to be proud of. It there, it's like I'm sure you've seen the movie, but Wolf of Wall Street, right? Oh man, yeah. That uh, that's my favorite scene of all time when he when he's driving the the white uh, Lamborghini and he uh, and uh, after taking those lewds or whatever the fuck it was, the lemons, <laughs> and he thought he got home all right, and sure shit, he didn't get home all right, man. That thing was destroyed. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, to be honest with you, man, I, I I don't know what it is, but I have the worst like memory with movies. Like people will always bring up stuff, and they'll be like, "Well, you haven't seen that movie?" I'm like, "No, I've seen it like five times." And they're like, "You don't remember that?" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, "To be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is." So yeah, I have seen it, and yeah, I know the premise of it. That exact mm-hmm. scene, that exact scene. No, I do not remember that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh God, it's. But I, I gotta say, it's I gotta hilarious. Say I, was, I gotta say, I was very fortunate in that aspect. Again, something you know, I'm I'm not proud of. You know, like yeah, yay me, I got away with uh, dri- driving while intoxicated. Fantastic, you know, but not not something to be proud of. But yeah, no. I I guess I, I unfortunately you know I didn't harm myself or somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I it's like you think of the some of the dumb shit that we've done over the years, or you know that you did. You just really, really it almost makes you like hurt inside. You're like, God, did I I, I really did that? Oh, you know, yeah, with, with those yeah. young and dumb years, man. Like I've, I, I I'm not a cat, man. I feel like I have uh, 12 lives, and I'm, I gotta be on the like I'm number 11, man. I really I'm do. On number I, 11. I really do. I really do. Because <laughs> this, this, this one goes to 12. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely been some 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 times in my life where I I I, I question I question my judgment for sure, and you know, uh, and I you know I talk about all that stuff drugs and uh you know drinking and whatever you know uh but it, you know it made me who i am and you know that yeah, I, man, think I mean cool, uh, but... 
a lesson lived is a lesson learned, man. And, you know, all you can do is, is focus on today and being better than you were yesterday. And just remember, you know, you're, it doesn't, every day is a, is a chance for a new start and you're not who you were yesterday. You're who you are today. So it's your decision to be, to be, it's your choice who, who you want to be today. Make, you know, that's, that's completely up to you. So, um, sometimes, yeah, you just have to let it go and be like, well, you know, I did it. Ain't nothing I can do about it now. It was right. bad. And, uh, all I can do now is try to be the best version of me I can be today. Yeah. Yeah. Get, you get, cause dwelling doesn't help. You know, it only adds to the, uh, to the anxiety because once you start dwelling on something and overthinking something and you get fixated on something, then it just becomes something crazy circulating in your head. You can't stop it. So then what do you do? You grab yeah, a beer? And I was, I was just talking. That's funny you say that. Cause I, I was just talking with a friend kind of about that. It's kind of been uh, going through it a little bit. He's like, man, he's like, it's just not normal, man. He's like, I just, I just get drunk. And then I do these terrible things. And then I wake up the next day and I feel guilty about it. So what do I do? drink more to make myself feel better and then i just do more stupid things that i yeah. feel guilty about i'm like yep it's a vicious cycle man vicious vicious it's cycle. A roller coaster that you can't you can't get off they keep passing that loading spot and you're like uh, can i get out now take the seatbelt off no we just gonna keep going okay fantastic <laughs> <Yeah>. strap up <laughs> yeah man strap up it's gonna be a while yep 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 oh god uh <laughs> and how do you break it it tastes i think you know, you said it a little bit ago, like it's everybody's own lives and what they want to do with it, this, that and the other. But I, I truly, 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 truly think that um, nothing will really work unless you want it to. Like you got to want to stop. You got to want to 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 break up that vicious cycle, you know, uh, and if you don't want it, unfortunately, I just don't, I, you know, I don't see I don't know. That's just how I I view it. You know, like so many people that have gone in and out of, of rehabs and stuff like that. You oh, want yeah, them to exactly. get better. You know, oh yeah, exactly. yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, if you go to rehab one time or you go to AA meetings or or what have you, and it works for you, hey, man, that is fantastic. I'm glad it did. Right. I would personally say, I personally don't think they work. I, I mean, obviously, you have to detox safely um, under right. medical care which is part of rehab so i do agree with that aspect of it but as far as like you know the 12 steps and all that you know i mean that's just it's not that's not for me you know and you know like you said people going in and out of rehabs like including myself it's like you know yeah i mean you can go it's like mary had a little lamb yeah i mean you can go through the motions and like sweet i finished rehab all right i'm gonna come outside everything's gonna be great i'm not gonna worry about anything you know wrong you're not even gonna make it to the airport before your life sucks so what are you gonna do with the airport you're gonna go to the bar and get a drink all oh, that rehab was worked amazingly <laughs> it's yeah and it's like it's like every time you relapse i i can only imagine you know for a person that's trying really hard and doing doing the right things and you know taking the medications and wanting to but it's just so powerful it takes over i mean we talk a lot about chester um bennington on the show because yeah. you know he's so out out and open uh with all his struggles and whatnot yeah. and yet you know uh the the demons you know just crept up and he couldn't but i was reading this interview uh with uh what's what was his old band uh gray days i think um like the guitarist or something like that was saying you know he had recently talked to him or whatever and he was like you don't understand what it's like to be like i think about drinking every second every minute of every day and he wasn't at the time so i don't i, I can't even imagine 
what, what kind of load on the mind that would do to somebody uh, addiction wise, you know, like, either, and then, and then you, then you relapse. I mean, when, it, when, when tragedy happened, he had you know, a beer and a half, but that's, that's all it would take, you know, maybe for someone that that's that, that strongly addicted to alcohol and it feel, you feel like you need it that much that if whatever, whatever progress you've made, whatever coin or chip or, you know, medallion or whatever they give you when you, when you stay so- sober, they all kind of get washed just by a beer. So, you, and then that just like weighs you down, you know, and I, I, I just can only imagine and, and, and sympathize for those that struggle that badly. You know what I mean? I don't know if it, if it was like that for you, but I mean, that, that little, little tidbit of that interview made me think about a lot of things and it's just like, shit, that sucks. I mean, that's got to suck. Yeah, man, totally. I mean, there's, there's such thing as like a physical addiction, which, you know, mainly comes with like your harder drugs. I mean, it, it does come with alcohol sometimes, you know, you, I mean, you get shakes and stuff like that and you feel, you feel crappy, you know, oh, I need a drink to feel better. Um, you know, there is, there is some sort of physical addiction with that. But, uh, you know, a lot of it is a, a mental addiction and just not knowing how to um, to to deal with things. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing about drugs and alcohol is, you know, they always work. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, for, for better <laughs> or worse, do. they do exactly what they're supposed to do every single time. So, yep. you know, you're getting this getting this habit of, you know, things suck or they don't go your way. You know, so what makes it better every single time? I'm going to go get obliterated and forget about everything and have a great time. Um, you know, so you kind of get you kind of get in the in the habit of doing that. And it's your fallback, you know, whether the rather than actually facing what is bothering you, you know, and if you're genetically disposed to addiction which you know it has been you know people go back and forth with that oh it's not it's not a disease it's not a disease it's it's a choice and no it's been scientifically proven i can show yeah. you like yeah. i can show you brain diagrams which shows you exactly where that genetic lies in your brain and what happens when you open that door there's a canal you create this canal in your brain and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it reaches that point and then you screw um, you know, so if you are genetically uh, susceptible to addiction and you choose to open that door and then you go, oh, well, this works every time that canal just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, before you know it, boom, you're full blown, full blown alcoholic or full blown uh, drug user. And, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Chester, you know, I think, yeah, he battled with that a lot, but um the thing was you know and i i say this a lot especially with like my clothing company um like man you can have you can have everything in the world going right for you you know like i did on a much smaller level you know i met chester there in the beginning they took us to uh europe on my first tour uh of europe um it was on their first record it was on our first record obviously um they were a little farther along than we were so they were they were headlining but, you know, I got to be pretty close with Chester. He would come to our dressing room every day. And uh, at that time, he, he would drink beers with us. And because the rest of his band were all sober, he was the only one. So he would kind of sneak away and <laughs> come and come hang with us. I mean, I never saw him, like, getting hammered at that point. You know, I don't really right. – I'm sure other, there were other points, obviously, because he struggled. 
But, you know, I think, deep, you know, deep down inside, regardless of, you know, the fame and recognition he got, you know, there was an unhappiness in him that he had from whenever point, you know, and, there, and then there's the pressure that comes along with being this big rock star and being this like hero and this, you know, uh, hero to people that people look up to, to where you're like, man, I got to maintain this sense of, of normalness and fulfill this role, even though I'm really depressed and I just want to lay in bed, but I got to go do this. Right. Hence that. Hence, okay. Well, I know what to do to make that happen. I'm going to go do that again. You know? So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of happy people out there or they assume they appear happy on the outside that, you know, really, really aren't. They're really struggling with something, you know? So that's why I'm like, you never know what, what somebody's going through behind closed doors. Yeah, no, it's like you said it earlier, uh, you know, you had to go put on your rock star suit and go jump like a monkey or whatever. And you got you had to no matter how you're feeling, you know, every single night, it's Groundhog Day. You got to get up on the stage and do your thing. And sometimes you probably didn't want to. Sometimes it was probably pretty fucking hard to pull yourself together. And I imagine that's the, the same with uh, a lot of other people that couldn't handle it. And, and uh, you know, Jerry, he him being in radio for so long, you know, uh, he you know, he what do you call it, Jerry? Oh, I, I always call it like a double life. Yeah, it's okay. like your, it's like your alter ego. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's exactly what it was for me. And, um, you know, like I said, when I came home, I just wanted I just wanted to be chill and, and be left alone. I didn't want to I didn't want to live in L.A. I didn't want to go all the cool guy clubs. I didn't want to be uh, in the press and all that sort of thing. And people follow me around cameras, want to know what I was doing. all the time. I didn't want that. I just wanted to come home and be left alone live a normal life and just go where I used to go with, with nobody bothering me, you know? And then I would, I would go to the airport and then like, as soon as I landed, it was like, boom, there it is. There's, there's, there's the craziness again, you know? And I'd be like, Oh my God, here we go. You know, it was nuts, man. You know, we'd come out, come out of the hotel there for a while. And there's people outside the hotel, you know, eBayers, you know, when that, that first started, you know, all kinds of crap for you to sign and, you know, I was I was always a dick to them. So I'd be like, what's your favorite song in the record? Size, control, blurry, drift and die. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> they'd, be like, they'd be like, um, uh, did you say, did you say she hates me? Yeah, I said that one. Uh, <laughs> what's that one? Can you take it all away? No, that'd be blurry. Yeah, no, that one doesn't count either. Can you name another one? And, they, and they'd be like, um... And they just start laughing. I'm like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's awesome. You know I, what I, mean? I'm like, I know what you're doing. You're just going gonna, gonna to sell that for 25 cents on eBay. Have fun. I'll say I used to see that all the time because I come from the sports world. So a lot of my friends, you know, oh, yeah, man. They're, they're in it and we'll be out. And we'll literally see, like, people come up with hockey bags full of footballs and shit to have people sign. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. what the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, all, they always got a stack. It's not just like. A oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or like a photo tore out of a magazine. It's always like 10 items. And it's always, I don't know what it is of a blue Sharpie. Somebody told me that with a blue Sharpie, they have some way of replicating it to where they can keep copying it over and over. Oh, really? So, yeah, I don't know. And that oh, seemed, I never heard that, that one. To, that, yeah, and that seemed to be the case that I noticed is those people, it was always blue Sharpie. And I got to where I'd be like, no, I'm not going to sign a blue Sharpie. I got a black one right here. And it, a lot of times people would be like, Oh, uh, no, that's cool, man. That's all right. 
what is going on here? I don't know what is going on, but there seems to be some sort of technology or or what have you that I don't quite understand that you guys understand. But yeah, it was always a blue sharpie, man. I don't know what was up with that. Well, see, that that's part of the problem, though, is, you know, it's the people like that that make it bad for everybody else. And, and that's the stuff that the normal guy wouldn't know or wouldn't think of. But, you know, you guys, Mike Allstott used to be, he and I used to be really close. We're, we're still friends, but uh, Mike Allstott that played for the Bucks on the Super Bowl team and this and that and the other, when he was, right. da- when he was dating his wife, he literally had to buy out an entire movie theater just so those two could spend an evening together and be left alone. Isn't that crazy? That's and man, isn't that that's what I'm saying, man? It's like you know, it, I mean, I can't imagine being on. Uh, I'm not a big sports guy, so I, I don't know who he is. I'm sure he's big and he does have that problem, but you know, just like people that I know, I can't imagine being on a level of like recognizability and like household name of like you know somebody like Slash or you know right. I mean like Slash is right out there with like. Elvis Presley or who not or Evil Knievel is like the most recognizable people in the world. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that guy. That guy puts his head out his window and they're like, "Oh my God, Slash!" You know what I mean? So yeah, I can't. I couldn't even imagine that. That's that's gotta suck. Man. Well, and, and the thing is, like, like 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 we talked about having that that double life or that alter ego. So often, public perception of you is a total one eighty from who you really are. Oh, couldn't be more of a one more of a one eighty. I mean, I struggle with that all the time. It's like part of me has to still has to like use my past to kind of further things, including like my clothing company, you know, to kind of help that along. But the other part of me is like, oh my god, I'm so tired of talking about that. That was so long ago. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. For me, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a complete 180. So once again, hence, hence vodka back in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'll say you, you've, you've mentioned the, the apparel line, the clothing line a few times, uh, demons behind me. How did all of that come about and, and how did you get into that? Um, actually, I, I did not create it. I heard you say that in the beginning, um, which is fine. That's, uh, but it, it was my two partners. They actually, um, started the company and uh, together on a very small scale, um, you know, with the intention of, yeah, I've always wanted to start a clothing company, but it's got to mean something. If we could, you know, um, uh, help people, that'd be great. And, you know, one of my partners had uh, um, basically a demon on the back of his, like, cap. And um, it's not like a logo that we use, but it well, it's kind of like an evil figure. And uh, my other partner was like, hey, man, what's that tattoo all about? And uh, he said, oh, my mom used to always tell me one day you got to leave your demons behind you. So I got that tattoo. And it sparked something in um, in my partner's uh, head. And he's like, oh, man, that, that's it. That's the clothing company, Demons Behind Me. And we and that's and we use that to help. And, you know, they came, they came up with, like, the whole message and everything on their own. And then I got wind of it through my fiance. She she turned me on to them, and I just you know I always wanted to have a clothing company too, but it just seemed like it just seemed like such a big mountain to, to climb, other than like giving it to your friends for free or whatnot, and you know such a and ordering like at a small scale, and you know not making money, and so I, I never did it. And then you know I heard about this, and I'm like, man, I really connect 
with this message, I really connect with her artwork. So it was, it was like on both on both levels. I was like, man, I really dig the gear, but oh my god, they got this whole other thing going on too. That pretty much, you know, my life. Um, so yeah, I it, oh we just kind of started playing footsie and had a bunch of uh, you know dinners and coffee and stuff like that. And um, eventually, it just led to me becoming a full fledged partner and. Um, you know, I, I kind of, like I said, I, I kind of know my role, which is kind of using what whatever my name is worth, which I, I don't like to put too much, too much worth in my name uh, just because of who I am. But whatever, um, for, for what it's worth, that's kind of my role in the company. I'm kind of the, the face, for, for better or worse, um, of the company. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to take all the credit for it or anything i think it has a lot to do with them just having some validation as well as the small small business that i i would want to get involved with them and champion this brand so i think it kind of lit a fire under under them too like oh man we really need to get on this and start taking it serious so it's become a much more serious project to the point of you know we're almost there to where this is like Okay, this is this is what we do for a living now. This is all we do is demons behind me, and we're we're right at that point. We were we were actually hoping it was going to be this year because we were set up to be a headline sponsor for all of uh, Danny Wimmer presents events. You know, which is Danny, who you know, like I uh, said before, was integral work for Fred, and you know now he's like one of the biggest rock promoters in the in the u.s and he had all these festivals lined up and then of course they, they end up getting yeah. canceled because of the coronavirus yeah. so we, uh, we all went oh man damn okay well what are we going to do now this was supposed to be the year you know but we were like full-fledged this is it this is our job so um i mean we're still getting there slowly you know um i mean we're mainly online we're in a few like Harley dealerships and stuff like that, a few other retail stores. I mean, obviously, we're kind of a niche brand. I don't see us ever like landing in like a Target or Walmart or something like that, like a huge, a huge side thing like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's growing, and you know, we really uh, kind of try to push the message behind it. You know, which is you know, kind of what we talked about before is you don't have to be who you were yesterday. You know, leave those leave those demons behind you. You know, and there is light at the end of the tunnel and we really encourage people to to talk about, you know, their issues, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, PTSD, uh, they suffered domestic violence or maybe they were a subject of child abuse or, you know, alcoholism, you know, drug addiction, um, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is they've struggled with in their past or they're struggling with now, uh, we encourage people to, you know, talk about it. And, you know, when you buy into our our brand and not only brought buying into our logos and designs and, and clothes and stuff like that. You're also kind of buying into a community of people who, who understand you, you know, much like, you know, me and you, Brandon, you know, when we talk, we're like, Oh yeah, man, I know what that's like, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the, right. our, the majority of our customers, you know, that have, have the, kind of have the same thing and there's some comfort, in that, you know, there's there's strength in numbers when you can find somebody, you know, you've been, you've been holding this in for so long and then you finally open up about it and you have somebody, oh, me too. I went through that. This is this is what I did and this is how I ended up on the other side. And that can be very helpful for people, 
you know that literally that's that literally literally, yeah. literally yeah. the premise of this podcast it oh, comes yeah, up was, every yeah, show was, uh, which is why i was very excited about um coming on here because it seemed very much in line with uh what not only me as an individual but um with my company very much in line with uh what i'm about and we're about as a as a company yeah i mean li- that literally that comes up every single show and then you know we go into like uh our mission and all that kind of stuff too and how rewarding it is to have you know people uh, relate to w- what we're saying and, and the people we talk to and all the walks of life i mean it's it really is it's a tremendous feeling knowing that just a conversation is is is, is helping someone somewhere and it, even if it's just one person i mean I, I i i get messages constantly via social media and i'm always always in the mental health game and and uh and i try to talk people through things i've even got via twitter i got um i got uh, convinced um this girl to go see a, a doctor and she did i was like holy shit how did i do that via messaging on twitter that's all awesome. uh, yeah man yeah i mean isn't that cool man that's like yeah that's like the most rewarding thing you know is to you know Either it be yourself who makes something like that, that happen, or even see it um, like within our company, within the community that we're trying to create, see that happen amongst other people, um, you know, and, and let other people know, hey, it's okay. You're not, yeah. you're not broken. You're not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. You are fine. I trust you because there are thousands of others who are just like you. Our company is just the tip of the big iceberg of people who are exactly like you and screwed up in the head and <laughs> in whatever way, but you, you're just a little bit, just a little bit. You're not mm-hmm. broke. Well, a little you're bit. Not, you'll, you'll be okay. You're be we, all have, we, we all have character. That's yeah, a, character. That's a great way to put it. It builds character. It builds character. It's character, man. It's not, it's not, yeah. it's nothing wrong with you. You got character. I'll say, I, I, would <laughs> yeah. love, I would love to find somebody that says I'm an adult and I don't have a little bit broken in me. There's no such thing. Everybody's a little broken in one way or another. I mean, that's just, hey man, if, they, if they do, they're lying. Exactly. They do, they're lying. Exactly. Yeah. Before we started rolling, I was checking out the website, uh, demons the, the clothing line. It's, so you've got some great, great designs and great stuff, man. And you know, anything at all we can do to help you, uh, push that. We're, we're totally. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank 100%. you. Man. Yeah. We're, um, like I said, it's, it's such a great message. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm very proud of the message. We all are. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's really kind of been recent that it's really started taking off. And it's been looked at as more of a priority in everybody's life. Like, okay, let's let's really build this into something, um, not only for, like, monetary gain, mon- monetary gain, I guess that's how you say it, or financial gain. But also, you know, for just um, uh, for like mental gain on our behalf that we're making a difference in in the world. You know, a, a, you know, a portion of our proceeds go to charity. You know, when you order awesome. online, when, when you order online, you know, there's a, um, there's a drop down menu like, hey, what do you want? Um, you know, what charity do you want to choose? And you can choose the charity you want to go to or put on your own or whatever. And. You know, we make we make all that stuff very public. We we publish reports um, 
I think it's like every quarter or so. And we go, hey, thanks to you, we donated this much money to these foundations or organizations, you know, and we're able, able to, you know, um, donate this much money to them and their cause, which, you know, pretty cool thing in my opinion. No, that's, oh, yeah. that's phenomenal. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Anything at all, Paul, we can do to help you push this. We're in. I, I can't, yeah, I can't stress that enough. I mean, you like, like Brandon said, you know, you guys have this clothing line based on the exact same premise of, of what we're doing here. So I exactly hats off to you because that's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that a lot. And yeah, thanks for um, giving me the platform to, uh, speak about it more and you know I'll, I'll return the favor for um you guys as well in, in any way that that i can so yeah yeah we're just you know we're just trying to ha- trying to help any way we can because we're not we're not professionals you know and like like that twitter situation i was i was talking about yeah. every time i see that girl tweet something i know she's good and that's a good feeling you know just that one yeah. person and and i don't know her for you know my elbow whatever my ass elbow whatever that phrase is um, but it's, I didn't want to. Huh. It's fun. It's fun. I hold that thought. It's funny you you mentioned that girl because uh, our mutual friend that hit us up a few months ago when I did the episode about what I went through with the MRSA thing, he actually texted me this morning and said, "Hello, just wanted to check in. I'm good. You're good. We're everything's good." So I, it, it's amazing how we build relationships when we with people we don't even know that yeah. that we're we're touching people that way, and it's just it, it's amazing what a conversation, you know, how much a conversation can can really lead to yeah and, and the fact you know I, I bring it up all the time we all had to go through our own fucked up shit and quite frankly we're still going through it mm-hmm. to relate to everybody but man there's that when you when you connect with someone that 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 faced you know the amount of adversity that we have um and and and, and you know somewhat beat it or if not manage it successfully if you will that connection is really strong man like you get that that other person on a different level. It's not just like an acquaintance or all oh, that. That guy's funny. No, like it's, it's almost it makes you feel connected. Like you're like, like your family at some point. And, and I, I love it, man. Everybody we've talked to, they're always on that level. Um, and you know, this, all this COVID shit is really, you know, I feel for a lot of people out there, you mentioned, you know, I think you were going to, you know, you had some setbacks because you were going to go on a, on a tour or whatever. And, 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 the, and the brand was going to be out there, the clothing. And I, you know, it's, it's crazy because I think about all the amount of crew crew guys that are out there right now um, that are jobless, you know, and are trying to just do whatever they can to make ends meet uh, as well as musicians. And then, you know, I got it. This is how hard it's hit the industry. I got an email from a, from a coach company, um, um, uh, for you know for prevost bus in buses 45s anyway um uh they are they're sending out newsletters right now offering those private coaches to to families that want to go to the like like the park for a day i mean literally that's what the email was like if you want to go on a on a family trip you want to go have a picnic or like i, I don't know what and I texted to my band friends. I was, I'm like, this is what it's come down to bus companies too. Like nobody's renting the buses. So they're just sitting there and, and, you know, everybody in that industry, just at the domino effect, everybody's screwed. And, you know, there's no health insurance for, for the, for the crew guys, unless they're on tour, but depending on management, oh, well, oh, I just say, oh, well, I, what the fuck? 
God, too much texting, but you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's too, there's just, uh, there's so many, there's so many downfalls for that industry, man. And I just truly feel for those guys. And if anybody's out there that is in that industry, man, reach out if you need someone to talk to you. Cause, but I, I, I see the upswing right now. So, um, hopefully this shit is, is over kind of soon. Yeah, man. I know, I know a lot of people, especially, um, you know, especially in, you know, like the crews and stuff, because, you know, those guys are job to job, you know, as soon as like one band yeah. is done and goes on vacation or, or makes or starts making another record, they're right on to the next job. Yeah. They're right on the next they're, tour. Yeah. They're road, they're road dogs, man. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not rock, they're not rock stars or pop stars or rap stars or whatever, you know, I mean, they're road dogs. That's what, uh, that's what they do, you know, unless, unless you're on retainer, you know, and, which you is know, rare, though, you know. Which so. is very, especially, especially these days, man, when all your money is based around touring. It's very rare for people to be on retainer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was on retainer for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, and it, it sucks, you know, because they're that, that's their livelihood, you know. They're like, uh okay what do i do now i've been doing this for like the last 15 20 years one tour to the next and now i can't do it yeah i got kids and a wife and a house and you know all that and it, yeah, man, it sucks be just like the bus company trying to take families uh on a daily trip uh just to earn a little bit of cash for those coaches those guys when you're when it, the gaps in between the tours and stuff because I know I did it. They go to like their local uh, spots, you know, concert venues and stuff like that, and and you know, do load ins and shit, and and you know, do that in the in the spare time. But they can't even oh, do yeah. that now because they're closed. They're closed. Oh, yeah. You can't. I mean, I mean, music stores. Hell, I, I I worked at Guitar Center one time. I worked there for the main reason that they supported musicians that worked there. Therefore, if you needed to go to go on tour, they supported you. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. So they would, they, they would allow you to go and then basically by support, I mean, welcome you back when you got back. Yeah. 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 I figured that's what you meant. You know? Yeah. 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 They're not going to pay. They weren't paying me while I was out there. (laughs) Not not Well, yeah, but you still have an opportunity (laughs) to come back to a job, which a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who unfortunately, you know, are in the music industry and touring you know, it still come home and then they have to work a day job. I'm like, you know, and, you know, they're, so they're, they're like really like kind of like, you know, day laborers or, or, you know, construction workers or painters or something, you know, so they're yeah. in, independent contractors, you know, so they get off the road and it's like, okay, let me go paint this house or let me go, you know, do this or that, you know, and that, yeah, man, that sucks. So being able to have a job that's like, oh yeah, that's cool, man. Go to it for a couple months or whatever. And yeah, come back. We'll be here. No, it's like, yeah, just a, a, a no touring, stay at home. You can't work. You, there's nothing for you to do. Just, just wait it out. I mean, I mean, the money runs out. It runs out. It really does. It, it, yeah, it, man. I feel yeah, for like, man, like I a lot. Said, I know, I know a lot of people in the, uh, especially like the road crew industry that are, you know, been been struggling. Man, I know a few of them that have, you know, picked up picked up regular jobs in the time being. You know, and good you know, for them. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say good on them for doing that, you know. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm sure it sucks. It's like, oh man, really? I gotta get a, a, a job now. This sucks. Yeah. But, you yeah. Know, hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. 
That's right. That's right. But yeah, I just wanted to say that and mention it because I know they're out there and I know they're feeling it and they're struggling and stuff like that. And I, I, I feel your pain. So it's, it's, it's definitely unfortunate, our situation, but uh, we're going to get out of it, man. Yeah, and- man. Like, like you said, we're, we seem to be on the tail end of it. Things are, there seems to be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. The light is a little brighter in some parts of the country than it is in others, but you know, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We'll make it through it. And, uh, you know, if things get back to normal sooner than later and, uh, yeah, we can just start moving forward and doing what we used to do. Hell yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I, I, man. I've never yeah, wanted man. normal more than I want normal right now. Like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my heart, you know, you know, if you're in a place and you're fortunate enough to where, you know, you haven't been affected that badly. Um, that's fantastic, you know, but I, I, my heart goes really, really out to those who, who have been. Their life has just been severely, I mean, not destroyed, but I mean, just really hurting during this, mm-hmm. this time. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really, un, it's really like an unheard of kind of thing other than, you know, I think I compare it to is like the Great Depression or something, you know, where it's just like, man. Yeah, wow, what, what nobody saw this happened? coming. What, what the what happened? happened? Oh, Overnight, economy, economy economy was good. Stock market was on fire. You know, everybody was yep. working, and then bam, bam. <laughs> what just happened? The yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's crazy because uh, I, I I signed a lease on March fourth. I'm I'm open. I'm currently in uh, my build out phase, but I'm opening a barbershop in downtown St. Pete. Oh yeah. And, yeah, you told me that on the pre-call we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, you know the 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 main re. I mean, I love the industry. Don't get me wrong, but the main reason I'm doing this, uh, it's to get more into the community and more into the mental health space, if you will, because uh, I want you know I want the team that and I truly want a team uh, that works with me that will do haircuts for homeless um, once once oh, a quarter yeah. or yeah. you know all anything that we can do. And, you know, uh, one of my best friends, uh, my tattoo artist, actually Skip Sampson, uh, we do a lot of collaboration and he's, you know, all the tattoo shops around this area are pretty well connected and we're, we're all going to sell each other shit. And, you know, it's going to be like, and we're going to donate. And it's just going to be this really cool system of tattooed looking freaks that have big hearts that want to give back. And, uh, like I have, I have shirts to sell my own. I'm going to sell his shirts. I'd love to sell your shirts. If we could do something when I open, you know, I mean, that's going to, that's going to be the mission. It's, it's going to be the mission, man. Everybody's going to kind of know about mental health when I, when I get rolling. So, uh, we should talk about that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think it's a, a topic that's not discussed enough, which is why I think our company exists and what you guys are doing and what you're talking about doing. I think that's why all of these things exist is to kind of get it more out in the open, you know, because like I said, it's, you know, it's not something a lot of people talk about. And then it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily, I don't, I don't know if don't believe in it. I don't know if that's the right wording. Um, there's yeah, there's that ignorance out there. Well, it's, it's ignorance and there's a fear of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and it, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are, are very quick to just be like, man, that, that person is moody as hell. They drive me nuts. Or that person is like 
always depressed. I can't deal with them. Like, what is their problem? You know, yeah. they're, quick, they're very quick to say, shut up, quit whining. You had, so you had a bad day. So what? You'll be all right. You know, and you know, for some people that, no, that's not the case. You know, I actually had a great day, but everything still sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so yeah. true. So true. Well, so, speaking yeah. of things being affected, your lawn is being affected by the amount of time we've been sitting here talking to you. <laughs> we won't keep you any longer. <laughs> that's quite all right, man. You know, speaking of COVID, you know, uh, and that's what I've been doing, man. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, and being sober as well, you know, I've been trying, I've, it's, I've been forcing myself to find things to do, like, like yard work that I've been avoiding and, you know, things around that. I had no idea what a hoarder I was. I didn't, I didn't even know until the <laughs> virus came. This virus, all of a sudden this virus affected me and I went, damn. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like what is that? I'll start cleaning out a closet and I'm like, I don't even know where that came from. I don't even yeah. know what it is. I don't know how you use it. That's funny. I'm like, how long has that been there? Totally got a pile of dust on it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I guess it could be thrown away. I don't know. It might be worth something. Hell if I know. <laughs> we i know we, I, we've been talking about doing a garage sale for like months and that shit's still in there man i don't know what oh, that man, shit is either. yeah us too man you know and because uh, that, that's the thing is i'm like man some of this stuff might be worth money i'm like we should have a garage sale or something and you know but you know then like you know again with the with the virus it's like oh yeah who wants to come come over to the house and exchange money by hand and breathe breathe the air <laughs> like hmm. the lucky things are getting better so it's not as scary as it was but i mean yeah there for a while it's like uh yeah probably it's not the best time to have a garage so <laughs> yeah no 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 yeah yeah right time some of this dirty money i just rubbed on my nose <laughs> uh, i don't know who i don't know who the hell would touch cash right now oh no God. way <laughs> No way. Dude, no I'm way. married. I can't remember the last time I even carried cash, so that's not an issue for me. Yeah, you oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I never have I never have cash, man. I, I but it, I don't feel bad when the homeless people ask me for cash, you know. I, I can legitimately say, uh no, I I really don't. Unless yeah. you got a you got unless you got a card swiper, I, I really can't help you out. I'd love to. Like I you know. <laughs> Well, while we've been talking, uh, it's so funny. We were talking about the seven degrees of separation of, of Kevin Bacon angle with you and Brandon and everybody in Jacksonville music. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> old guitar player, uh, Westbrook, who now plays for uh, Melody Trucks Band. Oh, yeah, Westbrook. Yeah, uh, yeah I, he I, wanted I, me to tell you hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Wes is cool, man. He actually played on a track for me. I've, um, oddly enough, man, I, I my music taste, believe it or not, I mean, I mainly like a heavy guy like even heavier than puddle i mean puddle puddle was a little commercial for me i mean don't get me wrong I, I had a big part in the creation of that music and i'm very proud of most of it not all of it I, let me mm -hmm. let me say not all of it there is some that i'm not that proud of but um <laughs> for the most part for the i mean i think that's with any band they're like oh well that song sucks but the rest was pretty cool um yeah <laughs> Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times it ends up being your biggest thing where you're like oh my god i gotta never live that one down but um yeah, you know, uh, but I'm mainly a, like a heavier guy, you know, punk and hardcore and, and metal and stuff like that. And um, uh, but my but when it comes to like songs, uh, I'm also like, I mean, if you throw me like if you send me like a home run course, I don't care what kind of music you throw. If you send me some lyrics where I'm like, OK, that person is not writing for the radio. That person has been through some shit and they talking about it. 
They <laughs> they tell they telling a story. That's what they're doing. They're not saying, "Oh, my girlfriend left me, and I'm really sad about it." But this song's gonna sell a million copies. They're talking about some shit. They're like, "I don't care if you buy it or not. I'm gonna tell you what happened today." You know yeah. what I mean? I can trust me. I can tell the difference. I can tell the difference in a heartbeat. I'm like, "Okay, this is garbage." Okay, this person <laughs> yep. is the real deal. So and and you know, so if I feel that, it really doesn't matter whatsoever. And I've I've felt that a lot um in this kind of this new wave. I don't know if new wave is the right word for it, this new breed of country that's coming up, which is kind of a revolt against what country music has become, which is, you know, basically right. uh, Pink and Kelly Clarkson songs with a country twang on it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's country because I sing like this, and that makes yeah. it country. Now, if I sing like this, it would be a pop song, but I don't. I sing yeah. like this. And I changed, I changed girlfriend to tractor, so it's country. Um, <laughs> so, you know, anyway, that's basically what it's become, but there's this whole new breed, you know, um, you know, like Jamie Johnson. I mean, I guess Jamie Johnson's been around for a while. You Jamie know, Johnson, Chris, Chris Stapleton. Uh, oh, well, Chris, Chris Stapleton kicked, kicked the door open. For oh, all I love that guy. That are, oh, yeah, he kicked the door open for all the people that are coming after him. I mean, he's kind of the god. I think he's kind of the godfather of this new breed. You know, people like Cody Jinks. Um, you know, he's a he's a good friend of mine. And um, he uh the reason I, there, there's a point uh, there's a point to my story that goes back to Westbrook. I know that was a long time ago, but I'll get there. Well, no, because because well, it's funny you you mentioned this because he and I played country and blues together, southern rock. So I, oh, I mean, it, it all a, yeah, it all fits. A, oh man, he's a monster. He's a monster. He's a great player. He's but, one of um, the most naturally talented players I think I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I mean the, the crazy. I'll tell you a funny story after I get done talking here about this. I'll tell you a funny story about Westbrook, but um. Anyway, so yeah, I kind of I, I started connecting with a lot of these artists, you know, like Cody Jinks and Jamie, and you know, a few other people, and man, just on the lyrical standpoint, um, really, and uh, and I, I so I, I started kind of writing songs in that vein, and you know, I pitched one to Cody um, that he loved. I think he's gonna cut it. Um, don't don't hold me don't hold me to that. I can't I can't guarantee. But, um, you know, we became good friends, me and uh, friends with, great friends with Jamie and his whole crew. And um, so, yeah, so I started writing stuff like that. And when I was doing the song that I was going to pitch to Cody, I was like, well, you know, I'm like a like metal guy, like a all or like a alternative rock at like the most mellow I get. And or like I said, like acoustic, I'm like, I definitely don't have that like country feel or like that deep southern feel like i can't do that and i'm like so i need somebody to play that part and i went westbrook mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh yeah man so he came and played on this track and uh, i was just sitting there and i would just have him do multiple takes just so there was stuff to choose from not because he messed up but just so i had things to like put together in one track and i was just laughing i tend to do that when things are like that good yeah. Like some people take it like some people take it as like I'm laughing at them. I'm like I'm not laughing because you suck. I'm laughing because it's so good that it actually cracks me up. Like how is this possible? You know, it's it's the exact opposite of what you think. I'm laughing because it's so good, and I was just cracking up, man, at how how like every single take, you know. And I was just like, um, okay, now now I'll play the the slide on like couple takes yeah i would say the funny well the funny thing about him is he never plays the same take the same way twice 
Oh, no, he's a total improviser, which I am not. I have to have my stuff worked out ahead of time. I am not an improviser. I mean, I can improvise, but not well. Um, I write, you know, I have to I have to have all my solos or, or melodies or overdubs or whatever you want to call it. That stuff's all got to be worked out, even if it's just like, you know, jamming. You know, people are always like, Paul, you want to come up and jam with us? I'm like, mm, nope, I'm good. <laughs> They're like, you know this song, don't you? I'm like, yep, sure do. We but- <laughs> we were smart enough. We were while we were playing, we were smart enough. We just let him go. You know, we just say, do your oh, solo, yeah, do man. whatever. Oh, yeah. And we get yeah, done, and we go, okay, do that again tomorrow night. And he goes, oh, man, I have he, no idea what the hell I did. Oh yeah, man, he's one of those guys you can just you know you can bring him up on stage. Or you can jam with him and just be like, okay, this one's in uh, A minor. It's kind of like a shuffle feel or it's kind of like a punk rock feel in A minor. All right, got it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's right on it. Whereas I'm like, uh, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, missed that chord. Um, damn. What did you start? <laughs> you know what I mean? I say, it's I'm, part I'm of the just... fun and part of the frustration of playing with him because you never know where he's going. But God damn, oh, it's yeah, so good. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's great, man. But, yeah, my funny story is he came over one time, and uh, my fiance were going to play out. And uh, same thing, I was like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not the best improviser, you know, so it would be great if we had somebody that, like, every single song, you know, I know they're going to be there. So, um, and they're going to be on point on, like, every part. I'm not going to have to worry about them. I just know they're going to be there regardless of how well they know what we're doing. You know, so I thought about him again and he came over to the house. And at the time I did, I kind of knew him, but not really. And um, he came over and um, like he started like looking at like all the like memorabilia and plaques and stuff that I have on my wall. And um, and uh, somehow I think Blurry got brought up and he was like, wait a second. Like is that you? I can like, I can, wait, I, like, I, I can I hear to, him I, saying that. And he and he was like he was like, dude, I used to teach guitarists. I used to teach kids that like every single day. He's like, that's you. And he like got up and gave me a hug. Like I was like, hey, and he I'm probably got excited like a like a twelve year old. I, yeah, I like, know I Jeff. Yeah, or something. I'm like, uh, dude, you're like awesome. Why are you like giving me a hug right now? I'm like, it was you know, it was one of those like humbling moments where I was like, shit. That was that was weird, but you know, it was, but, it was, but it was cool though. You know, I was like, I was like, I actually, I told you to come over because you're awesome and I suck, and now you're like freaking out and giving me a. Hug. <laughs> it was funny. That's awesome, man. It, it was fun. Yeah, I, I I messaged him. I went, hey, do you know Paul? I'm I'm talking to him, and he, and he literally texted me back and went, oh my god. So he wanted me to tell you hello, and and he can't wait to see you again. And yeah, and- but I, I haven't seen him in a while. You know, of course. This, uh, you know, like again with this virus, you know, he used to do um, best open mic in town, man, because it's uh, I think it's Tuesday nights at a little bar here at the right. beach, and um, it's full, ba- it's full band, which is cool, you know, because you can go, you know, and like like I said, just everybody, actually everybody in the band is is like Westbrook. You can literally just say, okay, do you know this song? And they'll be like, yay, or they'll be like. Not really, but we'll figure it out. Just go ahead and start, you know. Or even be like an original song. Hey, I wrote this song. You guys want to play? We sure. What keys it in? Fantastic. Got it. <laughs> and then and they'll do it, and it'll be it'll be awesome. I say I mean? admire musicians like that because I, I I don't yeah, have that man. skill. I'm like you are, where you know you got to do it. You got to just repetition in the same way. I'm I'm the same way you oh, are. Yeah, dude. I'm a, I'm a rehearsal Nazi. Mm-hmm. I'm like okay. 
I'm like, everything's you. I need to know. No, we're not going to just jam at the end. I need to know how many bars it's going to be. We're going to end on the downbeat, the upbeat. What note are we going to end? Well, where are we going to start? Four clicks, two clicks. You know, I'm that guy. I'm like, when do the drums come in? When's the first verse come in? I'm like, I'm that guy. I'm like, nope, mm-mm, no fly by the seat of the pants. <laughs> yeah, well, he wanted me to tell you hello, and we won't keep you any longer because oh, cool, we know we know your lawn work is waiting on you. So, uh, <laughs> Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm yeah, so guys, thrilled. Uh, yeah, again, man, thanks for um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Like I said, it's an awesome platform to uh, that you guys have, and uh, you know you're spreading the message, and I applaud you for that. And thank you for allowing me to uh, kind of share my story as well as you know my company and what we're about, and also what I'm about as a human, man. It's, it's been great. So yeah, I look forward to uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing it and. Uh, yeah, you know, anything, and then you guys can continue what you're doing. It's awesome. Absolutely. Thank and, you. and seriously, anything at all we can do to help you get the word out about your uh, your apparel, uh, your demons behind me, you know, just just let us know because we're in. And we'll, we'll talk more off the air about that. Um, yeah, but, likewise, but, 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, guys, that'll do it for this week. Uh, barring something unforeseen, uh, next week, we're going to be joined by somebody pretty special and somebody I've worked with off and on over the years. He's three-time Super Bowl champion from the San Francisco 49ers, uh, a guy that was Joe Montana's center, uh, Randy Cross. He's also in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's coming on uh, next week. He's going to be talking a little bit about concussions. Uh, he's actually one of the guys, one of the football players that's donating his brain to uh, CTE research uh, and you know, talk more about the social anxiety and stuff like that. So barring something unforeseen, that's coming up next week. And, uh, you know, until then, guys, just hang in there. Uh, like Paul said earlier, we're all kind of in the same boat here with this this COVID-19 pandemic yeah. and trying to get through it. And, you know, Brandon, and I preach it every day and, and, you know, every episode, you know, just hang in there and, and keep plugging along, you know. Hey, Paul, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that might help. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, as far as me personally, you know, social media, um, I'm nothing, nothing special. I don't have, like, these verified accounts or, like, fan pages and all, all that stuff. You know, I'm just – I'm Paul Phillips on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm uh, Matt Adderfall with uh, two Ds. I got, I got that nickname because I always wear a hat, like, a door or something. So I'm the Matt Adder. So I'm, I'm Matt Adder Paul Phillips on Instagram. Um Demons Behind Me, DemonsBehindMe.com, uh, and same thing uh, on uh, Facebook, Demons Behind Me, and uh, Instagram, same thing. So pretty pretty straightforward and simple, you know? Awesome. 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 Yeah, and we'll make sure to link all of that on the show notes as well, so anybody listening can... Cool, uh, yeah, yeah, pre- yeah, appreciate that. Can, um, yeah, yeah, can click on there, so... Guys, that'll do it for this week. We appreciate you guys listening and, uh, you know, appreciate all the support you guys have given us. And uh, until next week, he's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. Don't forget to hashtag get it out. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, 
Radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans. Experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry. Pro wrestling personality David Penzer. MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. And strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 